0: Hello, everyone. I'm glad that you're back with us today. As always, be sure to like us on Facebook at Southern Hills United Methodist Church so that you can stay up to date with what's going on around here. We hope you enjoyed today's message brought to you by Pastor Bo Ireland. We each have scars. We have birthmarks. We have those moments that we carry through our life, which are the roadmap of our life. How many times have we fallen and skinned our knee and it left a scar? Or each of us, each of us carry a mark given to us by our mother, a belly button. We started out with that mark from the very beginning. There's a roadmap marked on us physically as we walk through life. There is also a roadmap marked on us emotionally emotionally. Spiritually, as we've each experienced different wounds as we walk. We might look at this as a road map of our life, or we might even say it's the cartography of our life. If If you want to go that route, we each have these wounds that we carry. They are physical wounds. They're emotional wounds. They're psychological and spiritual wounds. When I was a young man, I created a wound that has haunted me forever now. As long as I've been alive since the time that I inflicted this wound, I've carried this wound with me. Because in wounding someone else, whether it's intentional or unintentional, we also carry a wound in doing that. I was in about the first grade and in Midland, Texas during the summer I'd go spend some time at my great-grandmother's house and we would go into the backyard, my sister and I, I think it was to give everybody just a moment of peace away from the two of us. We were very close. She was my partner in everything. We're 11 months apart and so we were best friends and brother and sister. You probably know that we inflict some of the most harm, and the harm that we do most often on those who are closest to us. She was very close to me. And as we were in the backyard that day, we were were having a very fun exercise. It was an exercise where we were digging a hole to China. I hadn't learned yet the value of a shovel. So I was digging a hole with a pitchfork. And although it was great to kind of loosen that soil, after you loosened it up a little bit, you had to get into the hole and, and pitch it out with your hands. And, and we had gotten maybe about a foot and a half, two foot deep. It had taken a long time, as you can imagine, with a pitchfork. And as we got down to about that two foot level, my sister Lisa sat down on the edge of the hole with her feet in it. And she was really enjoying the coolness of that soil on the bottoms of her feet. But I was anxious to keep digging. And so I told her, you need to get out of my hole. We're going to China. And she didn't move. And so I began to threaten her. I said, well, if you don't move, by the time I count to three, I'm going to throw this pitchfork at you. And I took that pitchfork, and I kind of tried to look threatening with it. And I started to count. One. One. She didn't move, two, hey. she still didn't move. And then I got to three and when I, when I went, hey, I kind of let go a little bit of that pitchfork and I didn't mean for it to hurt her, but I guess I released my grip a little bit too much and it slipped from my hands and it went right into hers. And it pinned her hand to the ground right in that fleshy part between your finger and your thumb. And her hand went to the ground and the pitchfork was stuck in the dirt. She was horrified and started to scream. I was terrified, mostly of what was going to become of me after I had done this. And I lit out of there. I trucked out of there booking it. And I went and I I couldn't get out of the backyard. In Midland, Texas, they've got like these cinder block fences that surround everything. And so I couldn't get out of the backyard. So I ran into the kitchen and I went underneath the kitchen table and I just hung onto that middle part of the table and tried to hide there. They went and rescued my sister. They took her to the emergency room. She got some stitches. And then they came and got me. And I was terrified, especially not just of what I had done and the wound that I had created with my sister, but also the discipline that was going to come for me. It was one of the only times I can remember not being disciplined. My parents said, we think you've heard enough in experiencing what you've done. Christ's wounds. Those wounds of Christ are also physical. He was was really nailed to a cross for us. His wounds are emotional, psychological. We get to experience all of those too. What's the purpose of Christ being wounded in this fashion? Is it just so that we can have a sacrifice for sin for us? Or is it so that there's that prime and beautiful moment of relation with Christ? What if we had a Christ who never suffered? When we suffer, would we think that he relates with us? I don't think so. We have to remember that Christ experienced the death of a sinner, the death of a criminal on the cross, one that he did not deserve, but that he took on freely for us. He did that work. And when I hear us sing at Christmas, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, God is with us, we shouldn't stop singing that later after we've had the crucifixion and the resurrection God is with us in those moments also and they're important because God suffers with us in the wounds in every one of the wounds whether they're physical whether they're emotional whether they're spiritual God suffers with us Emmanuel God is with us in the suffering, in the woundedness. Now, in the wounding, and each of us are, in the cartography or the roadmap of our lives, each of us are wounded. I want you to consider your response to being wounded or to wounding others. I'll tell you, the disciples, they... they, our our response and the disciples' response to being wounded is immediately grief. Good grief. <laughs> and they take off running. They run away. They hide. They isolate. And then becomes that, that moment of doubt, denial, distrust. All of these combined and sometimes they even lead to something that's even greater and even more harmful, self-loathing. Whether it's from wounding that happened to you or wounding that you've done. When that happens, there's that moment also of wounding to the point of self-loathing. I hate myself. I hate myself for wounding others. I also hate myself For being wounded Christ does some beautiful work here to move us past that grief moment because our response is immediately grief and it's it's wound up in all of those actions that we just talked about running and hiding and isolating and Christ shows us a different way to step into tomorrow and tomorrow is that kingdom living Serene Jones writes, especially about trauma, and she says that grief, although it is the first step in our process to recovery, if we remain there, grief festers. Grief is the acknowledgement of the hurt, but it doesn't progress further than that. To move past that, we have to move into mourning. And not like the AM, no, that spiritual time of really grieving it out and then moving past that into a moment of healing. And and that happens in many places. It happens here in scriptures as we move into healing through the honest opening of our wounds. We lay them out before each other clean and clear. I love the words that Serene Jones writes here. Sometimes in opening it up, there is pain. Christ is willing in this passage to do some healing that will last even into our generation. Old Thomas gets a pretty bad rap. We always know him as Doubting Thomas. I saw a meme the other day that was pretty funny it was the disciples all gathered around and they're asking Jesus a question. They say, do you think he'll always be known as Doubting Thomas? Or will they call him something else? And Jesus looks at him and says, I doubt it. Absent Thomas. Grieving Thomas. Mourning Thomas. Shamed Thomas. I'd like to give you one more. What about healed Thomas? His doubt is healed. He's not shamed by Jesus. He he states his terms. This is what I need for myself to believe again. I need to touch your wounds. I need to put my hand in your side. And Jesus says, if that's what it takes, I'm willing. He's willing not just to show the wounds, but to open the wound again. Have you ever had to reopen a wound? There was a time years ago that uh, I I was a painter and I was painting on the top of a ladder and I slipped and I fell off of the ladder. And as I fell, my instincts kicked in and I grabbed the first thing that I could and what was in front of me was a large 20 year old rose bush. And it was about that big around and it had thorns just all over it. And as I grabbed onto it and fell, it reamed out the center of that fleshy part of my hand, right, right about where I had stuck my sister with that pitchfork. It just took all the meat out of it. And I had to go to the hospital and get it cleaned up and sewn up. And it was about a week later, it just, it really hurt. And I thought, hey, it'll, it'll get better. And another week went by and it had gotten all red and sort of pussy and puffy and something was wrong. And so it needed to be opened. I decided I'd do this work on my own. I didn't need any help from anyone else. Still in that isolation mode, I I took out my Leatherman. It was a, a handy tool that I carried on my belt. I took it and I sterilized it with a lighter. And then I started to cut a couple of the stitches open. And I found real quick that it was really hard to, to hold my hand open and really push my thumb back to do that hard work of cutting the stitches and then taking the needle-nose pliers and trying to probe down in there. It, I, I couldn't manage. I couldn't do it by myself. We can't do that with our own grief. Thomas couldn't do it either. I had to go to, uh, to a clinic and they opened it back up. And they fished down in there, and yes, indeed, there was one very large thorn that they hadn't found, and they had to take it back out. For us to heal, we have to open our wounds up in front of each other. We have to be willing to do that in a safe environment to lay the wound open and get it clean. Have the thorn pulled out. Christ suffers Our wounds with us and he does that for the wounded and for the wounder think about as Christ is on the cross and his disciples begin to betray and deny and to run each of them inflict another wound on Christ even Thomas when he says he won't believe you know there's a wound that Christ experiences from hearing that these who have traveled with him they won't believe still. they've, They've lived with Christ but until they touch they won't believe. That had to hurt Christ and he's willing to open the wound up to let Thomas experience healing and to be healed. So that Thomas can go forth from that moment and through our even to our generation, be a healer. Think about how Thomas is also a healer. Henry Nowen, who I, I just dearly love, Henry Nowen wrote this book called "The Wounded Healer." And I love what he lays out there, that Christ, as one who is wounded, is also the healer, and that in that healing, he empowers those who are healed to go and carry that healing out to a broken world. You've heard Dr. Scraper and others say, if you don't heal what hurt you, you will bleed on the people who didn't wound you. Richard Rohr states it similarly. He says, if we do not transform our pain or our trauma, we will transmit it. On that roadmap of our our bodies, on that roadmap of our soul and our psyche, we've all been wounded. We can either... Find a way to transform that pain, hurt, from grief and through mourning into healing, not just for ourselves but for others, or we're going to bleed on others. The example of Thomas with Christ is important to us because it gives us that opportunity to to embrace our doubt. Thomas was not reprimanded for not believing. Jesus didn't shame him. Jesus loved him. And he said, you need a way to believe. I'll give it to you. I love especially that part. Although I know know it's a little bit gross and it can make you cringe a little bit. But to put your hand inside of Christ's womb. The author, John Philip Newell, he talks about listening for the heartbeat of God through our lives. That we're called to listen for that heartbeat of God. In this passage, I think it takes us a a little bit further. In this passage, I think that we listen for the heartbeat of God. But then, especially in addressing our wounds in a community together... We put our hand into Christ's wounds, knowing knowing how bad he hurt for us, and we feel the heartbeat of God. Can you imagine putting your hand inside of Christ's side and feeling that divine heartbeat? Christ heals Thomas through opening up his own wound. It's courageous the way he he opens that wound up. And it gives healing that lasts for generations. When When we do that type of honest assessment with each other, We feel the heartbeat of God. And then we're set forth to go and do the healing work of giving that to the world. None of us make it out of here without a hurt. My grandfather used to say that we are born, we live, and we die, and in between we pay taxes. I always thought of that as we pay our dues. We pay our dues in life. There's no getting away from it. We will experience pain. How do we deal with that pain? Especially in a way that takes it and transforms it into healing, not just for ourselves, but healing that we can give to someone else. That's actually what we're called to do in experiencing healing. And it is tough work. It is vulnerable work. It's the vulnerable work that Christ does when he lifts up and says, put your hand in my side. Put your hand in these holes in mine. I'm going to prove it to you. It's a moment of relation. You and I get to do that work also. A man I love used to tell me, he said, there is someone who is within one block of where we're at, who is hurting, who is suffering today, and that can only hear a message of hope from one who has experienced his particular type of pain, of trauma. Each of uh, the traumas and painful experiences that we've all had are different. And each of us in experiencing them, grieving them, mourning them, and taking them to Christ for healing are then empowered with that special gift now that we have. It's changed Robert Schuller says it's the way that our scars become stars. I love that. Our scars become stars. Our experience of pain and suffering and trauma is transformed into a message of hope that there is one person out there that only you can speak it to. They won't hear it from me. I don't speak that particular language. They need to hear the language of the heart that speaks to them about that particular trauma, which means we have to do that really uncomfortable and vulnerable work of being very honest about our wounds and being willing to show the scar that has turned into a beautiful mark instead of just a tragedy. I'm going to close with this story. A church I served years ago on the communion table when I first came to visit them, they had the common cup. The communion cup was set there. And the communion cup at some point in its life, I don't know what had happened to it, if it got dropped or maybe it was just when they were washing the dishes, it it just got a little tap on the side, but it had cracked. It hadn't broken completely. It was a fracture, but it didn't fall apart, not like the ones that we saw in the the video. And so what they had done is they loved the communion. I mean, it was a match set. I mean, you've got to keep those together. And so they took them, and what they did was they took a little bit of super glue or something, and they just kind of tried to fill the crack in, went over the top of it, basically, kind of glazed it. And then while we started serving communion, they'd put the juice in there and you had to put a little towel underneath it and put it on a saucer because the blood of Christ would drip out of it. It was fractured. It couldn't, that vessel couldn't hold that goodness in it. And so after a couple Sundays, I, I met with a couple leaders and we decided that we had to fix this cup or buy a new one, one or the other. And so we practiced the art of kintsuki on it the video that you were shown. And so a couple of people in community came together, and we took that cup, and we finished the break. We broke it, broke it completely open. We laid it open. The wound was honest. And then in community together with Christ, we took some little powder epoxy, and we we fixed the crack that we had tried to glaze before, but instead now we mended it. We put it back together. And the last part of kintsuki is where you take a a gold powder and you inlay gold on it. So what has been broken is mended, healed. And after it's healed, we don't try to rub it off and make it go away. No, we accentuate it. We inlay it with gold, with the blood of Christ. We say, yeah, that hurt really bad. That hurt terribly. But I grieved it. I mourned it. And now I wear it. This is mine that God walked me through. We can do that together you pray with me? God, we are a broken people. We are a people in need of healing. We are a people in need of grace. God, for those that, that we've harmed, for those that I've harmed, I repent and I turn in a new direction. For each of us as we walk, whether we create intentional or unintentional wounds, harms we ask that you give us the willingness to come back and honestly assess those wounds with others and to begin that healing process so that your goodness your grace your mercy your transformation can take place in these wounds god let our scars become stars Let us share our pain and the transformation that happens there with others so that your kingdom will grow and we will walk into that bright tomorrow. In Jesus' holy name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. And as always, be sure to tune in next week.